this is Declan Woods, International Mixed Martial Arts Judge since 2012. You are listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. BetUS Sportsbook is your ultimate destination for online betting. With sports betting, live betting, racebook, online slots, and online casino. It's available across the U.S. and Canada. Use the code PSP to receive a massive sign-up bonus. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm one half your host, Justin Williams. And today, I got the man, the myth, the legend with me. The one that makes me sound so good on the mic. And the one that writes all the NFT articles on ProSportsPodcasters.com. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the man who's also helped me win my fantasy pool on ESPN. Because I know sweet fuck all about football. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Colbert Durant. Kobe, how you doing? Good, Justin. I'm good. How's it going for you, buddy? You know, uh, I'm doing all right. Um, I had a test today with one of my students. Well, not one of my students, one of my classes for computer engineering. And I said, show your work. One dude has all the right answers, but no work shown. So that leaves me in a bit of a conundrum. I don't think this man cheated. I just feel like he is just lazy. So I'll have to figure out what to do with that at a later time. But perhaps maybe our guest can help us because this man is also a teacher. But on top of that, he is an MMA judge. He has eclipsed almost 200 fights judge. And he's been doing this since 2012, the year I graduated high school. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Declan Woods. Declan, how you doing? Good, guys. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Oh, thank you for coming on. So balls in your court or whatever you want to say in this regard. How do you want to start? Do you want to start in how you got into MMA in general or MMA judging? Um, I guess it's kind of one and the same, really. Um, I started, it all started actually as a, as a wrestling fan for many years as a kid. Coming up, I was big into WWF at the time. If you guys, I don't know if you guys are wrestling fans yourself, but when Ken Shamrock started to come into WWF, I yep. heard he was from this lion's den and wanted to learn a little bit more about that. So I started looking into him and his background and figured out, you know, he had a brother that also was a fighter. And then I, I kept following him just on the WWF side. And then as time passed, I got a little bit more interested. Dan Severn came over, if you remember the Beast. Yep. Um, and I followed him as well. Researched a little bit. And it really actually all started. I was on a, a trip to Tampa Bay, Florida with a couple of friends. And we had gone to a football game. And then we went to uh, a bar afterwards and Rich Franklin was fighting Anderson Silva. The first fight where uh, Anderson Silva was able to grab that Muay Thai plum and and really did damage with the knees to Rich Franklin. And he won the title. And at that time, I, I think that was a huge upset. I didn't know anything, but just seeing that fight, I was very hooked and very interested. So then from there, I went to look into it further. And how do I learn more about this just as a fan? And I learned about John McCarthy who uh, kind of the godfather of MMA, um, definitely MMA judging and refing in, in my estimation. And uh, lucky enough, in 2011, he was bringing his command MMA course to Toronto. 
Um, it was coinciding with um, UFC. It was 140. Okay. Uh, and so I researched it and I saw it and I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to look into that. And uh, I signed up for it and kind of went through that process. And how'd you find that experience? Honestly, it was incredible. So the, the test, when I read about it, it seems extremely daunting. It was uh, three tests that you had to pass. One test was a rules test. So you had to know the unified rules of mixed martial arts, everything from cage sizes to obviously the scoring system, um, things, a couple of things on the refing side. There was a technique test, which uh, may be misquoting, but I think it was about 120 different techniques that you had to know. And then there was an actual fight test. So the rules test, I thought was pretty straightforward. You just memorize the rules and know the rules. And that was, that was all right. But you had to pass all three tests with 90% or better, which oh as a teacher, I know uh, to get 90% or better out of your class is tough. And you had to hit that on all three of those tests. The technique test, they would show you that technique and they would give you five seconds to mark down exactly what technique that was. So whether that was anything from a jab to a, um, to an arm bar, to, um, you know, just side control or mount or half guard, whatever that technique was. And there was many, many of them. You had to do that in uh, five seconds, each technique. So you couldn't fall behind. It was a super fast pace. And, uh, and then there was the fight test where you actually got to watch and score a fight, which really puts you in the frame of mind of a judge of, of how it actually feels. Wow. That's like the beep test of MMA. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> the beep test. Yes, you're bringing back memories here. Oh, uh, nobody liked it. I remember I was on the football team. We had to do the beep test. And I was a lineman. I was like 240, pure fat. And I was like, I'm not getting past beep six. And they're like, no, we know. But <laughs> it's for like health and safety. I don't even know what it was. Basically ensuring I wasn't going to have a heart attack on the field at 18. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's besides the point. Yeah, Declan, have you pursued any martial art yourself? Yeah, so after passing those tests um, and getting my certification from from Big John, I then enrolled myself in some Muay Thai. I did Muay Thai for about two years, and uh, then I switched over to Jiu-Jitsu and did Jiu-Jitsu for about two years. Off and on again, I was teaching full-time and, and doing them at nighttime, but uh, yeah, it was great. I loved it, and I, I feel like you do learn a lot from being on the mats, um, just some different – you really appreciate what top control – what someone being on top of you feels like. It's, I'm not by any means a jujitsu aficionado at all, but uh, having um, a, a black belt on top of you, you they literally feel like a house has been placed on top of you. There is no ability to move them at all. The way they can, can manipulate their weight is, is quite intense. So I, that was my biggest takeaway from that because people see a guy on top and think, well, I'll just get up. But it's, uh, it's incredibly difficult when someone knows how to do that and how to control their hips and, and manipulate that weight. Now, you were certified as an MMA judge in 2011? Uh, that course was in 2011. Uh, it was literally the weekend of UFC 140. Uh, if you remember that card, Jones choked out Machida with a standing guillotine and kind of literally just dropped him to the, uh, to the mat. And uh, Mir, Frank Mir, Kimura had big nog and broke his arm. Uh, little nog. Uh, dropped Tito with a body shot to the knee, Tito Ortiz, that is. So it was a great card, but yeah, it was that weekend. So John was in town. He was roughing the fights. And so we did all day. I guess it was, I think it was a half day Friday. Maybe it was a full day Friday, full day Saturday, and like three quarters of a day on Sunday. It was long days and really, really super intense. And when would you have actually judged your first fight after that? 
Uh, I did my first flight um, August 25th, 2012. So pretty quickly thereafter, as soon as I finished the course, I immediately applied to the Ontario Athletic Commission, being that I'm in uh, Mississauga. So that would be my local commission. And it took a few months and they got back to me. I don't remember exactly. I think it was the springtime, April or May. And I started um, working as an inspector. So if you have um, if you're a big fight fan, you would know like the inspectors are the guys who walk out with the fighters. They're in the back with them from the minute they arrive at the building. It is the inspector's responsibility to, um, to stay with them, to watch their hands get wrapped, <clears throat> to make sure there's no drugs or alcohol visible, to make sure the wraps are, are fair and appropriate. Um, and just that you're, you're literally with that fighter everywhere they go from when they arrive into your care until after they've seen the doctor for medicals post fight. So I started there. Um, I did that for boxing, also a little bit for MMA. I was an MMA timekeeper at first as well, which I thought really helped me out quite a bit because I got to timekeep some major events. So you get the feel and the intensity of sitting cage side. I was a timekeeper for the UFC 165, Jones versus Gustafson, the first one, which was an amazing fight. But you, you feel the, the atmosphere and the intensity and how that can you know, play on you as a judge and how that could affect one as a judge. And uh, it was great to get that experience before actually judging and being in the judge's seat for those big events. Um, and even for local events, when, when there's a big local favorite, the, the crowd can be, can be quite uh, intense. So it's good to get that experience that way. But then eventually I got uh, to judge on the score fighting series. I don't know if you guys remember that. No, no, it was a few years ago that when the score was still active, they had their own fight series. But then I think the UFC did a deal with TSN and the score fighting series became defunct at that time. But yeah, um, yeah it was 2012 was my first pro fight. Now, has the Unified rules changed since then? Little changes for sure. Um, I would say the biggest changes, and uh, I know you guys are aware of some of these, but with the 10-8 scoring yeah. yep. has been a, a big difference. Just the language behind it. In terms of, you know, there's three Ds that you have to consider as a, as a judge. You consider dominance, duration, and damage in when, if you're scoring a 10-8. If you have all three of those present, if someone is dominating around for the duration of the round, which doesn't mean the full five minutes either, but a large duration of the round with damage, the 10-8 is a, is a something you have to give. It's a must where if there's two of the three, it's a subjective 10-8. You can give it. You can consider that 10-8. Generally, damage should be one of the two of those three if you are going to give it. It is possible to give it with just duration and uh, and dominance, but the 3Ds is, is a big difference. They've changed the language slightly too in terms of using the word impact and damage. It used to be damage. They tried to change it to impact. I think they're kind of interchangeable at this point, but impact is the one that is is written in. Okay. Okay. I love that about that. Uh, so quick thing, you do live in Mississauga or you did live in Mississauga? No, currently born and raised in Mississauga. Hey, so am I. Yeah. So, I, I think Streetsville, correct? That's it. All right. Kobe told me that off air. I'm not uh, looking you up. Or Psychic. Like that. I, I'd be like, <laughs> that's so cool. I have a stalker. <laughs> Maybe a fan, but I'm so low in fame that I'll take stalking as. <laughs> Where are you from? Uh, but yeah, Mississauga, like Cothra and Lakeshore area, Dixie and Lakeshore. Oh, you know that's the, cool. Yeah, 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 it's close South to Mississauga. Yeah, that's like I imagine you're decently close to Dairy Cream at that point. Wow, yeah, absolutely. Dairy Cream is legendary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cream, so not we, Queen. Yep, no Cream. 
There was um, yeah. a Dairy King at one point, like across from Dairy Cream. It lasted yeah. like a year, but it was yeah, it, it was something to go to. But anyways, moving forward. So you're a huge wrestling fan from the beginning, uh, as was I growing up. Did uh, You're a bit older than I am. Do you remember WrestleMania 18? Yeah, I was there. You, you of course yeah. you would be there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Justin yeah, was not. No, I wasn't. I was you were not there? No, I was not. How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 29 now, so at WrestleMania 18, I would have been eight, seven, eight. Oh, okay. All right. I'm uh, 38, so I don't know what the math is on that, even though I teach math. I don't remember. I don't remember what number we are at now with mate WrestleManias. I have no what idea. What was the what last number? one? Uh, 35 yeah, or so. something? I think I was 17 or 18, but uh, it was actually the same day as the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Toronto. And oh. I'm Irish. My dad was born and raised in Ireland, and um, he passed away in, in 2003, but... I took over organizing his county's entry into the parade. So I was down there, like down Young Street, down Bay Street, marching in the in the parade, and then went to WrestleMania at night. And, and just an incredible. I think it's still a top three sporting event that I've ever been to in terms of atmosphere. You guys are killing me. Who, who is on that card? Oh, my God. Hulk Hogan versus The Rock? Okay. Yes. Uh I believe, was that the that was the headliner, wasn't it? Or second? So it 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 was, but Jericho versus Triple H went on last, which I felt terrible for them because the building was after Hogan and Rock. The building was like exhausted. It was such like an emotional roller coaster that it was kind of quiet for them. But they actually were the main event, right? Yeah. So because that's when Jericho had the un, the first ever undisputed, right? I think he lost you to got Triple it, H you got or it. something. Absolutely, yeah. I, the only thing I remember prominently about that was that Ric Flair had a really bloody head from The Undertaker or something. Or was that 17? I feel like it was 18. I, you know, I think that I think he fought, I don't know why I want to say Diamond Dallas Page at, at that or DDP. Maybe I'm wrong about the, who The Undertaker. I mean, the streak was alive and well at that, that point. Yeah. But uh, I can't remember offhand who he wrestled. Yeah, it was Ric Flair. That, to be honest, the, it was Flair. Okay, then yeah, he definitely ended up bloody. But that's a that's a Flair match at WrestleMania, right? He's always uh, doing color, so to speak. <laughs> oh, he's always he's always bleeding somewhat. Uh, do you watch AEW or you or do you watch any wrestling at all? Still, to be honest, I have three boys under five, um, so my uh, time to commit to it is less. I, I watch so much MMA and, and score so much MMA. I definitely still watch like the Royal Rumble. I watch every year. I'll make a point to watch WrestleMania. Uh, no spoilers, but I heard Edge returned to AEW last night. Is that a fact? I didn't even watch that. I have no idea. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I think I've ruined that for you. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently he did. Yeah, oh. I heard that uh, a couple of colleagues today were like, did you watch AEW last night? I said, no. And then they uh, they broke the news to me. I was, I was pretty shocked because he had his last match in Toronto a couple months ago, I believe. Well, during the last match, he said he wasn't retiring. I think his contract was up. And he's like, I don't know okay. if I'm going to make it another like around the trip with WWE, like to Toronto, because his back was starting to hurt him and everything again. So sure. unless AEW offered him like a pretty sweet deal, like, hey, dude. Because also WWE released like a, a boatload of people, like just gave up a bunch of contracts and AEW took Dolph Ziggler. I guess they took Edge and whoever else. And maybe they offered him a deal like, hey, look, you can be our Canadian dude. Like we'll have you in Canada kind of deal. Yeah, that's possible. I guess the, the UFC WWE merger maybe um, affected some of those releases, but I also heard he wants to finish his career with Christian. And I know uh, Christian's over there. I think he's I think he's a heel now over there and holds some kind of title in AEW. You know what? I need to kind of jump on that bandwagon myself. I have no idea what's happening in AEW. Not that I, like I don't like it. I've seen a couple episodes. I enjoy the storyline. It's 
by wrestlers for fans. It's just, sure. I it, it's a busy Monday's a busy day. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. It is what it is. And I was prepping for this test too, and or sorry, Sunday's a busy day, so I was prepping for the test and all that fun stuff. Anyways, anyways, uh, as an MMA judge, do you ever look back at some? questionable results from either ufc bellator pfl one fc or even the local scene and be like i would judge that entirely differently i mean i look back on my own scores um i think that's kind of a, <laughs> maybe a, a misnomer with judging not that i'm saying my scores are bad in any way shape or form but i um i think people have the misunderstanding that you know judges go in they sit down, they score the fight and, you know, they, they enter their scorecard and they walk away. Whatever happened in the fight happened and then they go home and they go on with their lives. But I can't speak for everybody, but for myself, like I agonize over every score that I put in. Um, I come home, I have notes of every single fight I've judged. I think my document is, you know, 20, 25 pages long now at this point. I, I get my justifications for every single fight, every single round that I scored. And, um, you know, if it was a close round, I go back and I'll rewatch it. You know, I'll give it a couple of days so that you're not emotional about it anymore. And, and I'll go back and I'll rewatch it because that's the only way you're going to get better. And these fighters, it's their livelihood on the line. You know, it's on the local scene. It's guys trying to work up to the UFC level or Bellator or PFL or one, as you mentioned. And if you're judging on, on that level, which I've done a few fights up there as well, you know, it's, it's big money when these guys are fighting and it can affect how they move up. So I do think judges really agonize over their own scores. I know I do. And, and I think that's most common. I think it's a misconception that people think, you know what, their scorecard goes in and then, you know, there'll be a fight next weekend or the next month or whatever. But it definitely is something that we back over with a fine tooth comb and look at and really study to see, you know, the clarity of it after the fact. Right. Uh, we love to hear that. Now, we recently had a referee on the show who, you know, refs MMA fights and talks about how he gets a fair amount of hate <laughs> on social media. So it got to the point where he just stopped looking at it. Do you get that as a judge as well? To be honest, I think it would be a thing where I don't know who the ref was and, and the level that he's judging. Um, I try not to... Uh, to like look myself up on, on Twitter or Instagram or anything like that after fights. I've seen comments before on certain fight cards that I've worked. Uh, I don't think I've ever been, been mentioned or, or called out, which I think is a good thing. It's one of those, it's one of those thankless positions kind of thing, right? Like a goalie in hockey, you're either the, you're either the uh, hero or the heel, but when you're the heel, everybody has something to say. And when you do it exactly right and you should be the hero, it's just silence right across the board. No one's ever like, wow, that judge did a tremendous job. That was a tough round. Or all three judges were unanimously on that. And that was a very close fight. That was awesome. That's it right. kind of goes the other way. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. never hear that. Exactly. Now, I mean, I there's a, one judge in particular I know of that gets a fair amount of hate when it comes to the UFC at Saudi model. He's been involved in a number of questionable decisions. Is there any talk amongst the community about certain judges or no? Not at all. We're actually a, a pretty tight knit community um, for the most part. You're able to reach out to one another. We do reach out to one another. And, uh, you know, since some people have sent each other fights like, hey, can you review this round for me? Can you review that round for me? And you, you, you know, you support one another. It's a community much like teaching. You, you know, hopefully, Justin, you'll find this. You go to your colleagues if you need resources or if you need, you know, advice on how to deal with a certain student or a certain, you know, a phone call you got from a parent or whatever the case may be. Same kind of thing. You can bounce ideas back and forth off of um, your colleagues. And uh, and generally, no matter who they are in the world, they're very gracious with their time to uh, 
to lend that time and that ex- their expertise and, and their experiences to help you out. If someone's interested in becoming a judge now, what route would they have to take? Yeah, so there's there's a couple. Um, I as I said, I, I first got certified under John McCarthy and Jaron Vallel. I should mention Jaron Vallel is another Canadian. Um, he's out of Manitoba, and he was John's like assistant at the time. Uh, so there's that course. I don't know if Command is still running because I know John has moved on to Bellator commentary and things of that nature. There is I got recertified in 2017 under Kevin McDonald, the referee. And you can go to his website. Uh, he is kevintheref.com, I believe is his website. And you can look him up um, and you can do a course under him. I know Mark Goddard has a course. Uh, Herb Dean has a course. A lot of them, though, are in person because it is something where you have to, you have to experience it in person. It's not a thing that you can really learn online. You need to be there with the colleagues around you. You need to be able to, you know, fire questions back and forth. You generally watch a fight, you know, multiple fights when, when doing that together. So... I know these guys do travel around. I know Herb has one coming up. I believe that one's in California. I think Mark Goddard has one coming up in the Middle East. So if you were interested, obviously you're going to look for one that's a little bit more local. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you can just go in and, and it's usually a full weekend, of course, the same way the command one was and the same way it was in 2017 with Kevin McDonald. And you can go in. And honestly, even if you're just a fan, you learn so very much from taking these courses. You would look at every single fight that you watch in a completely and utterly different light. If you were to take the course, you understand better what the criteria is, is specifically asking for. Cause some of the wording you get on the broadcast isn't necessarily, it's clear, but you have to, I guess, read between the lines a little bit. So you would learn as a fan, you'd learn a lot. I know there's a lot of media members who have taken the courses to learn more so that, you know, on social media, they can have a better grasp of uh, exactly how the judge, what the judge is looking for and why they're looking for it that way. Now, you said you got recertified. How long does the certification normally last? So that's purely dependent. There is no absolute standard on that. Uh, I know in New York State, I think they've recently instituted it. They need you to update your certification every two years to stay current, which, again, I think is a great thing. If there is you know, a way to weed out certain judges or to just keep people current and kind of force their hand to stay current because things do change and you know, just like a teacher, I mean, that that's my area of expertise as well. So you need to keep moving with the times. Like recently, I've instituted podcasts in my grade six class because it's a huge form of media now. So we study podcasts. I think my students, if when I tell them I'm going to be on a podcast, they're going to they're going to lose their minds. They're going to be so excited. But <laughs> you got to keep moving with the times. And judging is the same way. You have to you have to look at updated fights and you got to be with your colleagues and you got to be learning from one another and really staying as current as you possibly can. No, for sure. I was, I was very interested in that when you said that because I had never heard anyone mention it before, to be honest. And again, it is different in every uh, in every area. I know New York is every two years now. I, I'm not exactly sure like what Nevada would be or California. Those are massive commissions. But I think they're trying to institute that um, in different places to, to make people continue to upgrade and continue to uh, better themselves. For sure. Now, is there a fight that you could go back and rejudge as a veteran judge? I imagine it'd be one of your earlier fights, no? Um, rejudge, I would say no, to be honest, for rejudging. I mean, again, I've rewatched almost all of my fights. I rewatched them, which obviously can take, it takes a long time. Um, I don't know. I'm, I always, number one, like when you're scoring, you have to trust your scorecard at that at that time. You have to trust what you saw and, and your skills and your expertise in that exact moment. Obviously, scoring live is very different. If there was one fight I'd love to see again, and I, I, I might be able to find it still, but during uh, John McCarthy's course, his command course, 
the fight that we had to judge to pass his test, it was a five round fight. I'm not sure where in, in, it was in the, the States. I'm not sure where it was uh, taking place, but it was two fighters and they, it was a five rounder and you had to score it. And again, something people don't get when they're at home is when that first round ends within one minute, somebody comes around and collects that scorecard. So that scorecard is gone. So when you were doing that test and you know, you had paid lots of money for this course and you, you needed this to pass the test, it was very important to obviously do well and, and, and to, to be concentrated. But I, that's what sh- struck me the most is how quickly they come and collect that scorecard and it's gone. And that fight, he ended up, John explained afterwards that that fight was a fight where the guy who lost the fight, when I scored it, I actually scored it for the loser. Right. And that was the right score. John basically said after you should have had it, I think four to one for the blue corner, but on the night, the red corner won. And that blue corner fighter never fought again. Wow. He was so dismayed by that decision that he never, ever fought again. And I, that really, I mean, John, his way of speaking, he's a great speaker, but it really made me think of how important this job really is because one decision the other way and it could be enough to end somebody's career i mean it would be their choice to retire of course but it could be a knock them further too far down the ranks or you know they were making one last run at it whatever the reason being is but it just it just struck me how important our jobs are as judges to to get it right and to do right by the fighters who literally put their lives on the line when they go out there and and the training that they do is just so difficult you know we have to we have to keep bettering ourselves we have to get it right for them that's exactly it. But that I mean, would be the fight I would go back to. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, totally. Um, I mean, that makes sense. As a teacher, we're essentially, we're constantly judging work. You there, you judge as a, as a judge in itself. So, I mean, if anyone, you'd be pretty good at kind of gauging what this actually means, like having the gravitas and understanding what that does. So kudos to you for taking it so seriously. Uh, two more questions before I pass you off to Kobe. For UFC, where they had to redo the judging numbers inside the cage, as a professional judge, how did you feel about that? Um, which one are you referring to specifically? Oh, that was recent. Uh, oh, shoot. Hold on a second. I don't remember which UFC that was, but I remember Kobe and I were texting about it. Uh, oh, I think I saw. I know what you mean. They were, I think, on the side of the octagon. They were yeah. rewriting. Yep. Yeah. So, again, I don't, I don't know exactly what went into that. I have, actually, this past weekend, I was um, scorekeeping a boxing fight in Ontario. Uh, it was in Hamilton. So I was the scorekeeper. So the scorecards come to me and I have to, you know, there's three judges and it's usually color coded. And I was putting in the scores into the computer. It's possible that there was just a, a human error on the scorecard. I don't, I don't actually know what happened there. I can't really speak to it. I just know that human error is possible that it was just written down incorrectly. The judge doesn't write it on the scorecard or into the computer so it could have been a scorekeeper error it could have been some chicken scratch from a judge where you know they wrote a nine somebody thought it was an eight i don't remember the fight specifically i remember the image because i I think i've seen it um since but um yeah i I mean it's i understand i've seen people on the internet talk about the idea of impropriety there i would absolutely unequivocally shut that down Absolutely not. I think it would have been some kind of a clerical, a clerical piece there. But uh, again, I wasn't there. I, I would have no idea really what took place. Okay, brilliant. Thank you for that insight. And lastly, before I pass it off to Kobe, where is the farthest you've had to travel to be a judge? Um, I did um, the UFC when it came to Moncton, New Brunswick. 
Okay. I went out to Moncton, uh, New Brunswick. The, the headliner there was Vulcan Ozdemir versus Anthony Smith. That was the main event. I judged the main event there. So yeah, that would be that would be the furthest. So inside of uh, inside of Canada, but uh, I've never been to the East Coast. Um, mm. So for me, that was uh, I've been sorry. I've been to Quebec. I don't know if that's totally considered East Coast, but for far East Coast. That makes sense. And do they just call you, or is there like a like a website you go to and you're like, I can do it. Uh, no, it comes down to the commissioner. So the commissioner in each jurisdiction, they assign the judges to each fight and each fight card. So, you know, if there's a local promotion here in Ontario that they're running a fight promotion, the, the commission will send out um, availability and they'll assign the judges for that night and then for the each specific fight. So it's just the commissioner in each general jurisdiction that can choose. Uh, that makes more sense. Yeah, so that's kind of what I was going to ask you is, do you know which fights you'll be judging before you get to the event? That's a great question. I think that's another uh, misnomer as well. You absolutely do not have that information. When you show up to the venue, you know, you, you greet everybody, you'll be handed your scorecards and the bout lists for the night. And that shows what fights you'll be do- judging. You know, sometimes you're, you're doing seven fights, sometimes you're doing two fights. It really depends on that commissioner and the fight card, but you do not know on until you are there at the night on the night and obviously you've been in new brunswick so your certification is canada wide or is it beyond that no another great question so i am certified in ontario and every time you fly out or go out to a different jurisdiction you will fill out uh, an application a licensing application in that jurisdiction so whether that's that state or uh, that province you will fill out uh, an application with that body and then they will give you that license. And that license usually is good for one year. So if you got called back again within the year, you wouldn't have to do the, the licensing process again. If you didn't and you got called back two years from now, you'd have to go back through that process again and have to get your license in each individual jurisdiction. And is there a cost associated with that or no? There is a cost, uh, definitely. In uh, There's a cost. Um, it varies from province to state, but uh, there is a cost with having your license and upkeeping your license in each of those jurisdictions. Okay. Okay. So entirely honest here. This, this isn't, this is not a career, right? You're not making a lot of money out of this. No, it's definitely not something you do for money. I think, uh, I think there's a very few handful of guys in the world that, and I don't even know if they do it full time, to be honest, but that could maybe even make full time money. I think there's, yeah, maybe five or six guys in the world. I would, I would imagine most of them are on, on the refing side, maybe a few judges as well, but very small amount. Again, I don't want to speak for them. Maybe they can do it, uh, maybe depending on, you know, lifestyle and where you live. But definitely, I think most people and a lot of the judges that I've spoken to about fights and things like that, they all have their own full-time jobs, uh, you know, families. This is definitely a side gig and it's absolutely one you do for the love of it. So I know judges get a lot of stick, but they're they're doing this. They're traveling far, far distances and they're not making, you know, huge amounts of money. They're definitely doing it for the love and the passion of it. And again, to a man that I've ever spoken to, they really put their all into it. And I know sometimes online, again, it doesn't seem that way, but they're absolutely professional as can be really, really passionate about it. Much like I am, it's absolutely one of my life passions outside of my family and teaching, of course. And uh, yeah, they, they put their all into it. So yeah, hundred percent. It's a passion project. Now, are are the fighters comfortable with you? Like, do you get along with the fighters after it's all said and done, or do they keep a certain distance from you guys? Uh, opposite, actually. So I keep a certain distance from them. I don't uh, try to fraternize with the fighters at all. Uh, I just think 
like, I don't think some people do. And, you know, I've never taken a picture with a single fighter in my entire judging career over a decade. Uh, I don't post when I'm at events or anything like that. Some people do. It's just my personal preference and I don't do it. But I just don't, for me, I worry about just the optics of taking pictures with fighters. And, uh, you know, if you're communicating with fighters online, you know, one screenshot, one picture off your Instagram. And if you end up judging that fight, you may have literally met that person for five seconds, snapped a selfie, and then you judge that fight and you score it for that fighter. Someone can drudge up a picture from, you know, eight years ago and said, Oh yeah, look, you took a picture with that. So I don't, if you, if you look at my Instagram, there's, there's little to nothing there in regards of MMA other than in my bio, it says MMA judge. Uh, I just don't post. I I just think it's the, I don't want to say level of professionalism because some guys do it. And I don't think that's unprofessional. It's really up to, it's really up to them and, and what they feel comfortable with. I just would never want that to come back uh, my way. So I, uh, I stay away. I would never ever go to like an after party where there's fighters. You just show up on the night of the fights. You're with your judging colleagues, your cage side, you judge your fights. You're back with your colleagues. You do a debrief usually with your commission on how the night went. Talk to your peers about it and then uh, go home to my family. I respect that, man. I respect that. Thank you. Kudos to you, buddy. Mate, you're a better MMA judge than I would be. I would be like, oh my God, I want to take a photo so badly. <laughs> Doing keg stands with the fighters. <laughs> I mean, he makes a good point. Yeah, exactly. Woo, I'm one of the boys. Um, but anyways, I, you're right. I don't think I'd actually post about it per se. I think I might take a photo and kind of keep it to myself. Maybe circulate it amongst my friends, except for Kobe, and be like, hey, look at me. Met everyone. Hey, he gave you fantasy football advice. You should give him, you should send that picture. He did. I've been crushing it. I've had no idea how to play fantasy. I was like, I got nothing. Right now, I'm top of my league, and it feels like a sham. I'm like, I should not be. Didn't uh, you say you played football? Yeah, I did play football in high school one year. But you're not a you're not a football fan per se. Canadian football, C- CFL. I love oh. the CFL, but there's no like CFL fantasy that I can really find. <laughs> I, I don't. Please don't get me started on the CFL NFL thing. I am 100 firmly on the NFL side of that debate. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> That's okay. Everyone's entitled to their own opinions, and just know that you're wrong. So Ooh, I was I was about to cut you off and say that that I'm right. <laughs> you beat me to it. <laughs> it's all good. Plus we have the editing powers, but. Anyways, um, <laughs> fair. <laughs> fair. Now, before we kind of close up the show, I do have kind of one more judging question for you with, sure. especially, I think this is more so in the States, especially when it comes to most famously, Peter Yan, Aljamain Sterling, the title changing hands due to an illegal knee uh, for a downed opponent. How is that similar or different to, to Canadian rules? Does it vary for province? Does it vary for city? Like what happens there? So it is uh, titled the Unified Rules of MMA. So generally speaking, it is unified across the board. There are very slight variations and mainly due to, uh, in the, on the refing side. So I'm sure you're familiar with like the downed opponent rule, whether you had to have two hands down to be need. So if you had, you know, you were kind of in a, in a position where a guy kind of had your back standing and they could knee you. If you put your two hands down, you were considered down and couldn't be need to the head versus one hand down, but that hand had to be weight bearing for it to count. Uh, if you remember a couple of years ago, guys used to play the game where they'd have their hand down, but then they'd pull it up and then put it back down. So when those knees would come, it would be hard to judge whether or not, no pun intended with the judging, but it'd be hard for the ref to understand was that an illegal knee or not. Uh, so more of that variation is definitely on the refing side. In terms of judging, it's pretty uh, unified to uh, to take the phrase across the board. 
a 10-9 is the most common round. You have the, uh, that's generally a close round either way. Uh, the 10-10 is something that really should never be scored unless it's an incomplete round where, you know, a guy, guys came out and the first kick that got thrown was a low blow and a guy couldn't continue. You don't score that strike and nothing else happened. So that round maybe would be scored a 10-10. But other than that, that's, that's an unused score. The 10-9, again, as I said, is a close round. And then when you get into the 10-8, that's where you're getting like those large margin rounds where you have to reference those three Ds that I talked about before and whether or not that's, um, it is going to be considered a 10-8. And then a 10-7 round is even more rare than that. There has been a few scored in the last couple of years. One was actually in Toronto, uh, Holloway versus Ortega. I think the fourth round of that fight, there was one score that was a 10-7 because it was completely and utterly one-sided and dominant. Uh, I've never scored a 10-7 in my career. I've been close once or twice. But uh, yeah, on the judging side, sorry, I kind of went on a tangent there. But on the judging side, the rules are, are, are fairly, fairly well unified. Brilliant. That makes it so much easier. We've had a couple, we've interviewed somebody who uh, does fights over in the East Coast. Um, like he, he actually does, he's a fight promoter. And then okay. I believe we've had somebody who also does it in the West Coast for like Saskatchewan area. So I just didn't know if the rules were at all any different. So it's kind of good to know that they're not really. Not in the judging realm. In the refing realm, it's possible, but it's kind of rare these days. Brilliant. We love that. Uh, before we get you out of here, we have a couple silly questions. Uh, yeah. The first one, what's your favorite type of poutine? <laughs> Honestly, it's going to be super boring, but just the uh, just the classic poutine. I'm not, uh, I don't go in with the pulled pork and the bacons and all of that. Just the, the classic. You offended both Kobe and myself. <laughs> Kobe's like, I want bacon. What? I'm like, I want bacon. Pulled pork. Uh, well, I'll give it a, I'll give it a shot next time. Now that you've, you've, uh, you brought it up to me, but I don't actually go for the poutine too often, but now I'm, 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 I'm interested. You've piqued my interest. Oh, I'm glad I could do that. Butter tarts or beaver tails? Oh, beaver tails. That's not even a question. I don't know, man. I've heard some people uh, be like, oh, butter tarts. Cause they're both Canadian. Be like, I like, I like butter tarts. I got one more. All right. Celtic or Rangers? Ha. <laughs> Uh, I don't really. I'm a huge, huge uh, Tottenham Hotspur fan. I don't know if you guys oh, follow okay. the Premier League. Okay. I live and die with Tottenham Hotspur, and I've been living amazingly so far this season. But if to answer your question, it would be it would be Celtic for sure. Uh, but I don't really follow the Scottish league. But just the Irish, the Irish connection there is, is why I would go. But yeah, I'm uh, I live and die with the Spurs. Okay. So all three of us on this podcast are Arsenal fans. Oh, I would I would have turned down your your offer to come on if I knew that ahead of time. We wouldn't have offered somebody to come on. It, it's only people Fair who won cups can be on this podcast. I'm sorry. Uh, I think we won the Audi Cup uh, not too long ago. That preseason tournament does does that even really? That's like a teacup. <laughs> Actually, my students uh, my students come to me and they, they say, "How's the Audi Cup is sitting in your trophy case?" Just to kind of irk me because that's literally it's not even a real thing. It, it's but uh, try to get under my skin, which it does, of course. <laughs> of course. But our, um, Tottenham's doing really well after getting rid of Harry Kane, which I didn't know how that would be a thing. I was like, I don't know who's going to step up to the plate for that. But you know what? Good on Tottenham for stepping up to the plate after Kane left. Yeah, James Madison has been incredible. Yeah, but I was going to say, Kane's like finding his foot, pun intended, in uh, uh, Byron. So it's, it's good to see that. Yeah, he's got like nine goals already, I think. I'm kind of following Bayern this year just for him because as they sing at uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, Harry Kane is one of our own, so I will uh, I will stick with him. Yeah, he's killing it there. But, I mean, he's surrounded by talent, so we expect it. 
And it's well, also, a, it's a different league, right? Bayern is kind of, is literally the giant of that league versus the Premier League is just so competitive nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't hate, I don't hate on Tottenham. I don't hate on Tottenham. I, the only team I actually hate on is, <laughs> is United, so. They do that to themselves these days. You don't even have to say anything. That's right, so. How do our, how can our fans find you on social media, sir? Uh, I'm, I'm not, as I said, I don't really uh, post too much on social media. So it would be uh, you know, like if, if they're looking to see my, my children or, or the, the, the teams I coach at school and they, they can follow me, but it's not, uh, it's not an MMA thing. So I don't think they'd be too interested, but uh, I will say if you, if anybody is listening and they are interested on either the boxing or MMA side to get involved in combat sports, if this has piqued their interest, something they want to do, you don't necessarily have to have like your, your credentials and your certifications right away. You can, you can come on to the commission and apply to the commission and you can start as an inspector, boxing, MMA, both. Uh, and then you can work your way up if you are interested down the line in, in pursuing judging credentials. You could do that. And it does take some time. Like there is some dues, I guess, to be paid, so to speak, as they say in the wrestling business. But uh, if you get in and if you love combat sports, it's it's amazing on a, on a Saturday night to, to go watch some really, really high level fights, either in the boxing side or the mixed martial arts side, uh, whatever your fancy is. Uh, and if you are interested, you can get in touch with the commissioner. He is, uh, his name is Luke Kotick and his email is athletics.com, athletics as you would expect it to be spelt with C-O-M-M at Ontario.ca. And uh, we're always looking for people who are uh, dedicated, passionate people about combat sports who, who uh, want to get, you know, on to kind of on the inside of it and, and see how it works on the, on the regulation side. Oh, that's awesome. Sign me up, buddy. Yeah, come on, apply. We'd love to have you. Done. I'll do it. Kobe totally would. I'll do it. 100%. Drop my name as a reference. Right on. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience, where no sport is left behind.